Because Cinderella had excellent taste in clothes, the two stepsisters decided that she would make their ball gowns. Hour after hour, the poor girl stitched and sewed and cut and snipped. And all through the day, Euphronia and Charlotte pestered her. They wanted more frills, different coloured buttons, extra trimming, bigger bows. She was told to find and fetch and alter and press and tie and do up and pull and tighten. The, the list was endless. Cinderella was consulted on everything. Eventually, even her stepmother had had enough and ordered them to go to their rooms. When Cinderella, in a very quiet voice, asked whether she too could go to the ball, her stepmother mocked her, saying that she only had a brown, ragged dress and a sackcloth apron and that the mere suggestion was ridiculous. Even so, Cinderella was now a very beautiful young lady, and her stepmother, although very much aware of this, would never say anything nice to her. On the night of the ball, as they climbed into their carriage, Euphronia and Charlotte, mean stepsisters that they were, told Cinderella to wash the dishes, make up the fire, and have supper waiting for them when they returned. Dear Cinderella, she so, so wanted to go to the ball, but all she could do was sit by the fire in the empty house and cry. Suddenly, there was a noise and a flash. She nearly jumped out of her skin when she saw an old woman standing by the fireplace. Don't be afraid, said the old woman, whose face was like a wrinkled apple, but who looked kindly at the young girl. I am your fairy godmother. And I have watched you endure the malice of your stepmother and stepsisters for many months now. Your mother and I were dear friends when she was a girl, and I promised her before she died that I would take care of you. Cinderella sat listening in disbelief. Now, tell me what the matter is, my dear. The young girl, in a voice barely above a whisper, said longingly, I want to go to the ball. I see, said the fairy godmother. Well, now, to begin with, you'll need to fetch me the biggest pumpkin you can find. Cinderella ran to the garden and came back with a huge pumpkin. The fairy godmother touched it with a stick and, there in its place, stood a magnificent gold coach. Now, fetch me six mice, she said. Cinderella did so and, with a tap of her stick... Turn them into six fine horses. A rat, please. With a tap of her stick, the rat became a handsome coachman. Six lizards were transformed into six footmen. Extraordinary, said Cinderella. But how can I go to the ball dressed in these rags? Bless my soul, I've forgotten all about the dress, said the fairy godmother. And with that, she gently touched Cinderella with her stick. Her rags were changed into a magnificent dress of white silk embroidered with flowers of delicate blue. Around her neck was a necklace of pearls and diamonds. And, greatest wonder of all, on her tiny feet was a pair of glass shoes, the prettiest she had ever seen. Now... Step into the coach and drive away. But before you go, take heed of what I say. Dance, enjoy yourself, but before the clock strikes twelve, no later, you must come home. 
because at midnight your coach will turn back into a pumpkin. Your handsome coachman a rat, your footmen will become lizards, your horses will change into mice, and your beautiful gown will turn into rags again. Cinderella promised faithfully that she would, and then, beside herself with joy, she drove to the ball. In the great hall, lit by a thousand candles, the prince had eyes for only one person, Cinderella. He just couldn't stop looking at her. He had never seen someone quite so beautiful, and already had fallen deeply in love with her. "Will you not tell me your name, sweet girl?" whispered the prince as he led her forward to meet his mother and father. Cinderella shook her head and told him that she was under a promise not to. Her stepsisters spent most of the evening sitting down, as no one wanted to dance with two such disagreeable creatures. The king and queen watched in wonder as their son had dance after dance with Cinderella, and although a sumptuous meal was served, the young prince ate not a single morsel. He was too much in love to be hungry. Cinderella chatted also to Euphronia and Charlotte, neither of whom recognised her. As always, she was courteous and kind to her stepsisters, and she was so happy that the hours passed like minutes. Suddenly, as the clock on the tower chimed three quarters past eleven, she remembered her fairy godmother's warning. She quickly rose from her seat, curtsied to the prince, and left the ballroom. Just as Cinderella reached the house, the clock struck twelve. The coach vanished. The coachman became a rat again. The horses turned into mice, and the footmen lizards. And Cinderella's beautiful ball gown turned back into rags. When Euphronia and Charlotte returned later, they told Cinderella all about the beautiful princess who had charmed the prince and even talked to them. The next night, there was another ball. Euphronia and Charlotte instructed Cinderella to alter their dresses to the style of the mystery princess's gown. At a quarter to seven, with her two stepsisters already having left for the ball, there was no sign of the fairy godmother. She was beginning to despair of her ever coming, when there was a cough, <coughs> and there she was, smiling her warmest and friendliest smile. Working her magic, the fairy godmother once again conjured up the golden coach, six horses, six footmen, and a coachman. She touched Cinderella's dress, and the rags were changed into an even more magnificent dress than the night before. And on her feet were tiny glass shoes, this time delicately edged with gold. Then once again, before the coach drove away. The old lady reminded Cinderella that she must be home by midnight. All the people at the ball watched as Cinderella and the prince danced the night away. Not once did he leave her side. "You are the lady of my heart," he said. 
please, please tell me your name. But as she had the night before, Cinderella told him that she was under a promise not to. The prince was about to ask Cinderella when he could see her again, when to her horror the clock in the tower struck the first note of twelve. She rushed from the ballroom, down the palace steps and into the garden. In her haste, one of her glass slippers came off, but she was in such a hurry she didn't even notice. Four, five, six chimed the clock. Cinderella ran and ran. Seven, eight, nine. She crossed the lawn and headed for the palace gates. Ten, eleven, twelve. And on the last stroke, her beautiful ball gown turned into rags. As she tried to hide, some palace guards caught sight of her. But because she was so poorly dressed, they took no notice. They'd all had a good supper and saw no need to ask the frightened young girl any questions. Cinderella ran all the way home and arrived just in time to open the door for Euphronia and Charlotte. They told her how the beautiful princess had run away on the stroke of midnight, leaving behind a glass slipper, and how the prince had kept the slipper in his hand for the rest of the evening. It is as plain as can be that the prince will never be happy until he finds his beautiful princess said Charlotte. She was right. The prince was worried about the beautiful girl who had so suddenly disappeared at midnight. He thought that she may be in some sort of trouble. When the guards told him about the poorly dressed maid they had seen hiding in the garden, the prince thought that she may be his princess, although he was quite puzzled as to why she would be dressed in rags. He gave orders that every lady at the court try on the slipper left behind by Cinderella.